ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಧರ್ಮಸ್ವಿಣೆ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾ ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣಾಸುಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾನೂರಮರ್ದನ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ವಿ ವರ್ ಸ್ಟಡಿಂಗ್ ದಿಫ್ಟಿಯಸ್ಟ್ ಶ್ಲೋಕ ಆಫ್ ದ ಸೆಕೆಂಡ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಆಫ್ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ Bhagavad Gita. So the 51st sloka, just for a quick recapitulation, what was the idea spoken of there? That how does action lead to liberation? Karmajang buddhi yuktahi phalang tyaktva manishinaha janma bandha vinir mukta padam gachantyanamayam gachanti anamayam that is gachanti anamayam so karmajang buddhi yuktahi so don't stop your actions go on doing your actions the action which ensues from even mindedness where this karmajang means the karma which is the product of even mindedness so when with even mindedness you do the same action that is with equanimity without hankering for the results of action phalang tyakta manishina then what happens freed from the fetters of birth janma bandha vinir mukta then this fetters of his cycles of birth and death that comes to an end padang gachanti anamayam one reaches a state which is free from all uh, anamayam means free from disease free from any evil it's pure state so as in the last class we were indicating that karma if i am doing good karma the good results will ensue for evil the evil result will ensue and we have to suffer we have to experience the result of action as swami vivekananda used to say that yes for good actions the result may be good for evil it may be evil but after all golden chain is also a chain iron chain is also a chain both binds all the higher pleasures of life which is the result of good actions that to binds us that to binds us in this cycle of birth and death there cannot be liberation from this phenomenal plane of existence as long as we are hankering for the results of our action we may say that what then what's the harm in having that golden chain so as we were discussing that no actions can be fully pure or impure all actions are mixed there has to be some evil in all our actions just as swami vivekananda used to say that when he was delivering the lecture the, all the people were transfixed they were inspired swami ji told at present my lecture is not good for the microbes which i am killing constantly just to live we have to kill others in some way or other life means that in all our activities we will find it can never be totally good with all our good good intentions when we are trying to do the best for our family for our neighbors for the world in some way or other evil accrues even in our day to day life we find 
So there cannot be any action that is just pure. So as a result, all the results also will be mixed. We expend up that which is less. If we have very, very, the store of very few good actions and the store of evil actions are more, then we will first enjoy the results of our good actions and then it will, it will follow. The results of the evil actions will follow. And to the contrary, if our evil actions are less and the good actions, the fund is more, we will immediately enjoy the results of the evil action followed by a continuation of the results of the good action. But whatever it may be, that there cannot be limitless result for limited action. In one lifespan, however good karma I may try to do, it has a limit. So that way, once the result of the good actions are over, as has been spoken of in the Bhagavad Gita later chapter, Kshine Punye Martya Lokam Vishanti. Again, from the higher planes of existence, we have to come down to this world of transitory existence of full of uncertainties. So this cannot speak of ultimate liberation. So what's the way out? The way out is to go on, continue with the responsibilities of life without hankering the results for it. It is not the karma that binds. It is the hankering for the results. It's our desires that binds us. So there is a nice concept of karma in our scriptures. So they say there are three types of karma. Sanchita karma, Kriyamana karma, and Prarabdha karma. Sanchita karma. That all that is the storehouse of all the past actions whose result I am yet to experience. They are all Sanchita. Kriyamana karma. Kriyamana karma speaks of the actions which I am doing at present whose result I will again experience in future. And the third is the prarabdha karma. That of all the actions which I have done in the past, the results of a few of them, a particular quota, that has started unfolding. I've started experiencing the results of a particular quota of my past actions. And that's the prarabdha, the thing which I am experiencing, the results of action which I am experiencing is prarabdha. The storehouse is the sanchita, the actions which I am doing and adding up to the storehouse to experience sometimes in future is the kriyamana. And the actions whose results I am experiencing now is the prarabdha. In the scripture, very nicely to explain these three concepts, these concepts of these three karma, they give a very nice example. The example of a hunter, a bowman, who is having a lot of arrows on the quiver, on the back of his shoulder, on the quiver, is full of arrows. That speaks of the sanchita karma. It's full of arrows. All those arrows speaks of the sanchita karma. Now he takes one arrow, places it on the, the bow, and he shoots it, aiming at a bird sitting in a tree. So this is Kriyaman, the action which is doing. So he shoots an arrow, seeing the bird on the tree. The arrow has now been discharged, it has been left. But before it hits the mark, he takes the second arrow, puts it on the bow. And when he's about to leave the, he's just about to shoot the arrow, suddenly the thought comes, a compassion develops in his heart. It's not good to kill animals. It's not good to kill other creatures. I should desist myself from such action. So what happens, the arrow which has, he has already placed on the bow and he has already pulled the string, 
but he doesn't release it. So because of his compassion, because of the good uh, compassionate traits which develops in his mind, the action which he was about to do, the Kriyamana, that never happens. All the arrows which is on the quiver, all the Sanchita, which he will be using in future, they are no more used. Sanchita Karma is no more used. Kriyamana is no more used. But the arrow which has already been shot, which is yet to hit the mark, it may hit or it may not hit. If his aim was not correct, it may not hit. Or if his aim was perfect, it would hit. Whatever it may be, the hunter, the bowman, has no control over it. It has already been shot. So what's the idea? Then whatever, whether it is karma yoga, jnana yoga, that once the detachment happens, that I am no more going to continue my life with the hankering of the desires. This kriyamana karma and the sanchita karma, they are not going to be effect, have any effect in future. For Jnana Yogi, the Kriyamana Karma may stop. He may not just, he will just resort to contemplation. The Karma Yogi, the Kriyamana Karma may not stop. May not stop. It may continue, but without the desire, without any desire. So desire is the factor which results in the accruing of the result. But the Pradhatha we have to experience. There is no way that we can get rid of the prarabdha. So you have to go to that experience and then when the prarabdha is exhausted, then there is no more this past impulse left for us to continue in the process of birth and death. That will lead to the Atyantika Mukti, ultimate liberation. So that's the idea which has been spoken of in the scriptures. So Janma Bandha Venir Mukta. And there is another idea. Here we find, especially in the context of Bhagavad Gita we take, that Arjuna is in the battlefield. So here, in another way, this speaks of going beyond the results of actions and attaining the state which is beyond the cycles of birth and death the state of liberation. How it happens, as in the last class we were indicating, that in a situation like that Arjuna was facing, he was in the battlefield. He was there as an instrument of the Lord for a righteous war. He was the instrument in the hand of the divine. As Sri Krishna, much later, in this Bhagavad Gita, will be Instructing Arjuna, Nimitta Matra Bhava Sabya Sachin. Just become Nimitta, an instrument. Know it for certain. There's a divine plan behind what's going on. You're just the instrument of the divine. You're the divine worker. With this idea, take part in the action which, for which you are responsible. Do your duty. So with a sense of that I am the divine worker, I'm being attuned to the will of the divine. And when with such an idea, when we hold on to the ideal in a righteous war, the one who is holding onto the ideal, he nurtures, fosters the ideal, just the way the mother nurtures the child, fosters the child. And we know that mother nurtures the child in in such a dedicated fashion that her own life becomes secondary. The child's welfare becomes the primary. Throughout the creation, we will find that the mother, not only as a human being, as any other creature, the mother is even willing to sacrifice her life if it need be for the welfare of the children. What it speaks of, the thing which 
is the cause of our bondage. Life after life, cycle after cycle of this birth and death is continuing. What's the reason behind it? It is the limited sense of ego. The conscious principle, which is beyond all sorts of limitations, got reflected in the psychophysical existence, giving us the sense of this limited individuality, which is the cause of the birth and death cycle. When we thinking ourselves as the instrument of divine, as the divine worker, just carry on with our responsibilities, with the sense of seek not, avoid not. In whatever situation God has placed me, I take care of my responsibilities. I don't avoid them. And at the same time, I'm not seeking. I'm not too ambitious about my selfish ambitions. I understand the wider perspective, the collective perspective. When we say God, it is not just a person. As Swami Vivekananda used to say, unselfishness is God. Where the ego barrier falls off, you're thinking of the welfare of the collective, Samashti. That speaks of your attuning to the divine. The more we do that, it enters in the dissolution of the ego. And that's the only criteria of liberation. Whatever spiritual journey we are traversing, whether it is Jnana Yoga, whether it is Bhakti Yoga, whether it is Karma Yoga, or it is Dhyana Yoga, Raja Yoga. The ultimate aim is the dissolution of the ego. Once this limited ego falls off, immediately the Atman becomes Brahman. It's not that becoming, it's, all, it's, all, it's already Brahman. The word Brahman itself signifies that which is non-local. The word Brahman came from Brihdhatu, which means Brihat. That I think my amnes is limited within the psychophysical existence, but it's not. It's the ignorance. I am seeing the reflection in the psychophysical existence and think that to be myself. I get deluded by seeing the reflection and take it to be the self. I identify myself with the reflection. That when that falls off, the Atman, which was appeared to be something local, immediately becomes Brihat. That's why the word Brahman came from that Brihatu, that which is beyond all locality. Your amnes now pervades the entire creation. And when that happens, there is no force to bind us into the cycle of birth and death. And that's why the word anamayam is also important here. Padam, that when, when the cycle of birth and death stops, when you become, when you reach the state where there is no disease, as in the last class we were indicating, that what is disease, even in our day-to-day life, let us forget for the time being the spiritual in spiritual sense what the disease means. Just you know that physical disease or mental disease, what it is. That when I am at ease, when I am relaxed, when I'm enjoying health, I am not aware of my of any particular part of my body. The health throbs to the entire body, it percolates the entire body. What's the sign of disease? When that awareness which percolates the entire body, my entire individuality, it now it gets localized. When I say I'm having a headache, I am having body ache, I have some heart trouble, or my knees are paining, whatever it may be. So the consciousness, the awareness, which was supposed to pervade the entire body-mind complex is now getting localized just to a part of the body. And that is dis-ease, your ease has gone. So now take the spiritual sense. Our real amnes is non-local. 
the moment the ego comes into picture it immediately have the tendency to uh to be aware to limit itself just in the psychophysical existence it is getting localized and once it happens this body mind complex cannot be eternal it has to follow the law of nature it has to go through the six changes jayate asti vardhate viparinamate apakshyate nasti that we all the things which are born jayate will exist for some time first it will grow for some time and then the transformations process will start then the aging process will start decay will start ending in death the death of the psychophysical existence we have to we are bound to and but the urge to leave as a limited being is still there so one body falls off that urge as per my karma again gravitates me to another psychophysical existence and that's how the cycle goes on but once that ego has fallen off once i have gone beyond the idea of this limited individuality actually limited individuality this word itself is contradictory individuality can never be limited very nicely these words are something which whose original meaning we have forgotten and we use it in a wrong sense what does the word individual means that which is not individual that which cannot be divided anything which is a conglomeration of many things can be divided our psychophysical existence is individual when i say i am an individual it's a wrong nomenclature that's why we find when swami vivekananda was speaking of was giving lecture on vedanta and the idea of that non locality came that you merge in brahman one in the audience who was not familiar with that type of idea was traumatized she stood up and told swami ji swami ji what happens to my individuality and that's what then swami ji replies you are not individuals yet you become an individual when you merge in that which can never be divided that's individual that that which cannot be divided that alone is individual and that's the brahman the conscious principle which is not a conglomeration of various attributes it is beyond all attributes and that's what when you merge there there is no question of locality and that's why that you have become uh, have reached the state which is disease free and that's why it is called anamayam so the biggest disease as shankaracharya says is the urge to take birth he has termed it as bhava roga the disease of worldliness this for the consciousness to get localized is itself a state of disease ego entails localization of the self so chitta suddhi resulting from the dissolution of the ego through buddhi yukta karma can alone take us to that disease free state of our existence so that's what is being indicated as the process the nutshell of karma yoga that's what being indicated in this sloka so now let us proceed to the next sloka that all the knowledge after all is not book learning whether it be karma yoga gyana yoga or any yoga bhakti yoga it should result in realization that knowledge can never be book learning knowledge only comes from experience without experience there cannot be any knowledge since so spiritual even in our day to day life just the common example which we give that if i have tasted the mango and if i go on explaining the taste of mango to a group of people who have never tasted however adept i may be in 
explaining how i was skillful i, I have have the tremendous skills in explaining things vividly however capacity i may have unless someone has experienced it for years together i may go on with my explanation can i explain the test of fact this mango so only realization can give us knowledge book learning can never give us knowledge conceptual knowledge is no knowledge it is just a mere concept it has to be experienced and then only the knowledge dawns and that's the idea which will be spoken of in the next uh sloka that why bhagwan is bringing this idea that many think that gyana yoga only is the path which speaks of liberation because you know that you are in ignorance and you know that your awareness of the you know that there is something called self and that knowledge renders you freedom just by doing selfless action how can you reach liberation because there is no question of that knowledge so here you will find if you read the bhagavad gita between the lines they are saying that what you say as knowledge is mere conceptual knowledge when i say i am not the body not the mind not the senses who is saying the mind is saying you are saying i am not the mind i am atman who is saying it it is the mind so it is not something which is a realization you have not gone beyond the mind to have to get established in that experience of the self what you are saying is just a concept that's not the real knowledge the real knowledge happens only through the dissolution of the ego and through and which that again happens through chitta shuddhi and that may happen just by work done with proper orientation so what's the sloka let us read and then we will go to the discussion yadati mohakalilam buddhi vetita rishyati tada gantasi nirvedam srotavyasya srutasyacha so when your mind has crossed the taint of delusion mohakalilam yadati mohakalilam it can happen in so many ways by practicing discrimination what is real what is unreal it can happen that way it can happen through karma without desires through that also we can have chitta shuddhi and that can entail in the what you say the uh, dissolution of all sorts of moha this delusion so our aim is the cleansing of the mind chitta shuddhi so that we can go beyond the taints of delusion moha kalila so when you have crossed that you will achieve indifference regarding things heard and things yet to be heard tada gantasi nirvedam nirvedam means renunciation indifference so why the word nirvedam is used that whenever i have some desire that i have a desire to cook some a delicacy what i do i will go to the internet now it is everything is available there and the internet is like the weather why it is weather the weather doesn't mean only a particular book the word weather came from vid dhatu means vid means to know the source of knowledge is weather so at present yes of course the internet uh, is weather because that is the source of knowledge if i take the etymological meaning of the word weather not just the a specific scriptures that's what the human language always does that the first copying machine machine the the company who prepared it was xerox and in india you go that just copying is known as xeroxing it's they call it just i have to xerox this i have written a xerox copy so what what happens that 
some specific term with a usage starts starts denoting something more generic some general thing so here also vedas in those days the word veda evolved from that the source of knowledge that this in those days whatever knowledge was there is being like the encyclopedia it's there in the vedas and we started saying that book as vedas but we forget that actually veda means just the encyclopedia any source of knowledge is veda we have specified it to a particular book so here the word nirveda means that that what whenever i have a desire as a human being we have that capacity what is that capacity that the knowledge is being stored my predecessors whatever knowledge they have earned that knowledge is retained that's the difference between the human beings and other creatures in all other creatures it was only the biological evolution where the experiences have been stored in the genes and that way a biological creature just by its innate biological traits gets those inherits those but as a human being our evolution has transcended the mere biological evolution and it has gone to the intellectual level intellectually we evolve how just see a small child going to the school by the time he is in 12th standard the knowledge which he has he has gathered that knowledge in the span of 10 to 12 years how much knowledge the knowledge which the human kind has gathered for thousands of years all the various scientists all the historians all the knowledge for thousands of years which they were cultivating <clears throat> he is getting that knowledge acquiring that knowledge just in the span of 12 years how because it's all recorded the source of knowledge previously it was the book we called it veda later there are so many other books they are also vedas etymologically they are all vedas in the present day internet that is also veda the source of knowledge is veda so by nirvedan what we means the moment i have a desire that i have the desire to experience the fruits of my action that i have to do something very skillfully to enjoy a better result either now or in future so when the desire comes then resorting to that source of knowledge comes this is all then in the past the predecessors have already stored so the word nirveda that's how means indifference veda means the source of knowledge when you no more hanker for the results of action for the worldly enjoyments you will never refer to all those literally this it has fallen off there is no need for that there is no need for referring to that because your interest in enjoying the fruits of your results have fallen off so that's why the word nirveda means indifference uh, regarding sruta sruta vyasa means what you have the things i have heard so do do such and such thing you get such and such result sruta vyasa in future whatever is going to come see so just uh, in the present day just we are waiting for the artificial intelligence for the artificial intelligence to really evolve so that we can enjoy the results of it the tesla car is yet to be take up the market though it has started coming so that we can enjoy the results of the fuel free that's total this carbon emission has to stop so these are all srotavya in the future so should we not go for that it's not that they are all okay only only thing which is thing is that the personal interest behind that again for all those things which i am thinking in a collective way that is god as swami vivekananda again and again says that unselfishness is god it's a wonderful definition whether one is believes in religion or not the one who believes in religion who ha- who has the idea of personal god 
they also are bound to agree that God is beyond selfishness. And one who is an atheist, who doesn't believe in God, but he also believes that for the welfare of the society, unselfishness is the only way. That for the collective, the individual's uh, interest has to be subordinate. The individual interest has to be subordinated by the collective welfare. So that's the way we find this idea of unselfishness. So when you are doing with the sense of that you are the divine worker, an instrument in the hand of the divine. It's not only for your personal selfish gains that you're doing. Then all those actions goes on. Everything goes on. But it is not going to bind me. So that's the thing which is being indicated here in this uh, sloka. And it's, it's not going to bind me. And through the process of Chitta Shuddhi, I need not have to sit down and contemplate to realize my inner self. Even by this selfless action, it can entail in Chitta Shuddhi, resulting in the realization. It can take me beyond the bonds of ego to give me that realization of the self. And when it has happened, there is no need for these books anymore. So this Nirvedam Srotavyasya Srutasyacha. So this is a very uh, pertinent or important word in this sloka. And how you reach the state? By going beyond the taint of delusion. So you that what is the cause of all this moha, this delusion? It is again that's, that uh, the idea of self, that as in the Yoga Sutra, we find the, I, the concept of panchaklesha, avidya, asmita, raga, dvesha, abhinivesha. The moment that ignorance dawns, the non-local self seeing its reflection in the psychophysical existence, thinks it to be, the seeing's reflection to be the real identity. It identifies with the reflection. And that's the ajnana, that's the avidya. And from that, the asmita comes, the sense of this limited individuality comes. And from that, all the desires are in the form of raga, dvesha, abhinivesha. The desire to continue with my limited individuality results in this raga, dvesha, abhinivesha. Attachment to the things which favors my limited individuality, raga. And dvesha, abhinivesha speaks of the fight and flight response to the things which are not favorable for my limited individual existence. So this is the cause of the moha. When I go beyond that, by chitta shuddhi, when the asmita starts dissolving and it takes me to the realization, before I attain realization, the dispassion for accruing, for experiencing the results in this life, or hereafter. Iha amutra falabhoga viraga. So when you have developed that, you won't resort to the so-called this varied knowledge. Constantly we are uh, chasing after this, you know, this uh, constantly we are searching the internet for this type of knowledge, for that type of knowledge. And it we all understand how it disturbs our mind. Constantly, anyone suggests that such and such thing uh, uh, is good and you can uh, get it from the internet, you immediately are constantly busy in downloading such things. So it speaks of that referring to the source of knowledge for enjoying the results of action. It is a big distraction that what's my responsibility for that when I'm resorting to the source of knowledge, that's okay. But in our life, we will find that how distracted we get because of this constant, constant lure, that the constant, uh, the way this world is luring us for the various pleasures of life. It is distracting me. And that's how that I can never uh, 
be detached to the srotavya and sruta, srutasya. That all the things which I hear and I'm yet about to hear, I'm constantly chasing after them. So till I haven't attained the spiritual realization, this uh, karma yoga can help me to get rid of the desire for enjoying the results here and hereafter. Amutra Falabhoga is Viraga. So that when you have developed that, there is naturally that the tendency to resort to the encyclopedia of knowledge that starts falling off. So before spiritual uh, realization dawns in, this sloka is valid. And after the attainment of spiritual realization, when through the process of karma yoga, when I have, have sufficient chitta suddhi, which takes me to the realization, then also this sloka is significant. Why? That, that example with which we started. When you go to the realization, even the jnana kanda, the Veda has two sections, karma kanda, which speaks of the skills we have to develop to enjoy better result in this life or in the afterlife. There's a karma kanda. And jnana kanda speaks of the knowledge of the self. After the attainment of spiritual knowledge, spiritual realization, that jnana kanda also I didn't have to resort. Because I've realized as we were giving that example, once you have tasted the mango, there is no need to read book about the taste of mango. You have realized, you know that the books can never explain the taste of mango unless you have tasted it. So its efficacy is no more there for me in my life. The purpose of the scripture is fulfilled. So may, whether it is Karmakanda of the Vedas or the Jnanakanda of the Vedas, I have developed detachment from there. The books are no more required. That's why in the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, we find Ramakrishna is indicating that who is a Paramahamsa? A Jnani has books. A Paramahamsa has no books. He is Paramahamsa, supreme detached. In the scriptures, the, why the, from where the word Paramahamsa came, the idea is that there, are, that there, is, there is a swan. When you give a milk to that swan, which is mixed with water, it will drink only the milk. The water will be left out. Means he takes only the essence. The rest is, he just simply discards. So from that, the word Paramahansa came. The one who has gone beyond the ignorance and he takes only the essence. He's established in the self and discards the projection, the thing which is being projected by projected as a superimposition of the self. He has totally discarded that. He has taken the essence. So he is a Paramahansa. So when it happens, when he has gone to the realization, and then there is no need for the books. So that's why in gospel we find that the jnani do have a lot of books with him. But the Paramahansa has no need for books also. So he is beyond the srotavya and srutasya. He has nothing to hear because the knowledge has already dawned in and in future also there will won't be any need for resorting to any type of knowledge. All the curiosity has fallen off. There is no more curiosity mongering because he has known the truth which is eternal. So the curiosity only comes when some new thing is supposed to uh, be experienced. Curiosity is always for something new. And when you know you are in eternal present, the curiosity is no more there. And when curiosity is no more there, the things to be heard of in future, interest for that also is gone. So that's the idea. So when by Chitta Shuddhi, we go beyond all the delusion, resulting in realization, then the our, what you say, this interest for hearing about the various ways, the various knowledge and skills by which I can enjoy uh, 
the higher pleasures of life that falls off. And I have no curiosity of even some future things waiting for me. So they all fall off. So when your mind has crossed the tent of delusion, you will achieve indifference, nirvedam, regarding things heard, that is sruta, srotav, and things to be heard, that is srotavya, srotavya, srotasyacha. So that's the idea. The same idea will be reiterated, extended again in the next sloka. Sruti vipratti pannate, the 53rd sloka of the second chapter. Sruti vipratti pannate yada sthasyati nishchala samadha vachala buddhi stada yogam avapsyasi. Sruti vipratti panna means perplexed by the conflicting views of the various religious books, various isms. That is Sruti Vipratipanna. Sruti means what you hear. Vipratipanna means perplexed. So as long as we have not gone to the realization, that's our state of existence. We feel we will be perplexed by the conflicting views of various type of isms. Intellectuality is like a double-edged sword. In this life, you will always find with intellectualism, we can prove anything and then again we can contradict it. Constantly it happens. Constantly. Whether it is in politics, whether it is in even in science, so many concepts are developed and then you find some other new concepts come to contradict, to negate the previous concepts. So as long as it is conceptual, constantly it is happening. And that's constant, it is perplexing. It is a it confuses us. So that's why, in a very funny way, it is being told that if you cannot convince, confuse, and that's what the world with all its knowledge is constantly doing. We get confused. But once you have a realization, then your intellect becomes steady, firm. So only when you get realized, just the common example that we, uh, that we, with which we started our class today, that as long as you have not tested the mango, the same test of mango, which has been explained to you, the one who have tested, he explained that it is sweet, and it has a nice flavor. Someone says its sweetness is like honey and it has a flavor of jasmine. And most probably you have faith in that person, you start believing him. And someone comes and says, no, no, no. It's sweet as molasses and it has a fragrance of rose. Now you get confused. Which is correct? Is the previous one which was told is correct or this one? The first person told something generic. It is sweet and it has a flavor. And now after hearing that, so many commentaries are coming out. I'm confused. How long I will be confused? As long as I have not tested the mango. The moment I test the mango, then my conviction makes me stand firm and steady in my realization. Gata Sangshaya Dhriranishcha. That's the line which we sing every day during the Arati. That's it's an uh, adjective we have used for Sri Ramakrishna. Gata as he has as he's established in religion. So his Gata Sangshaya, all his this what you say, confusion, Sangshaya, confusion, doubt, Gata has vanished forever. Dhriranishchaya. His conviction, he's very, very firm in his conviction because he has realized. So, here the same idea, Sruti Viprati Pannate Yada, when you go to that realization, when you get established in the realization, your intellect becomes firm and steady in your conviction. And all those things which were perplexing you because of the varied opinions, that's gone forever. And when it happens, when your buddhi is established in samadhi, 
समाधौ अचला बुद्धि तदा योगम फॉर सर्टेन देन ओनली यू हैव अटेंड योग समाधि इज पॉसिबल एनी नॉलेज एक्चुअली स्पीक्स ऑफ समाधि एनी नॉलेज वेन आई एम टेस्टिंग द मैंगो इफ आई है टेस्टेड द मैंगो एंड आई नो वट द टेस्ट इज I was in samadhi. How? That for realizing, for in this life, for realizing anything, your mind has to be focused. You will find it so happens. Sometimes you are eating. You are eating. You are uh, just having a particular food. Most probably there is no salt, and you never realize that there is no salt because your mind was engaged in something else, in some office matters, in some related to some job. you were so intensely thinking of it or maybe uh, you you are going through some lawsuits you are thinking of the outcome what the outcome will be you were so intensely thinking that though you are taking food testing food your mind is not focused to what you are eating and as a result as the mind doesn't gets connected there is no knowledge so for any knowledge to happen what happens the mind has to get focused so focused for the time being nothing apart from that is in my mind i become totally as if identified with it for the time being when i am in our day to day life all the small secular knowledges which we are having there the samadhi is just for the fraction the thing which i the thing which i then i acquired the knowledge through experience for the time being my mind was totally focused on it and that's how the knowledge dawned in spiritual life also it's the same thing when in samadhi means what when the triputi bheda happens dhyana dhyata dhyaya this triad collapses that i am meditating the ego is still there i am still there the mind is yet to get totally concentrated on it the knowledge is never going to dawn when that i falls off you become as if one with the object of meditation and then only it speaks of realization you go to the there buddhi has become achala it is no more vacillating it is totally experiencing the thing on which your mind is focused there is no vacillation so this achala buddhi speaks of samadhi and when that happens then yogam this yoga avapsas you have attained yoga what is yoga yoga means union conjunction that our ignorance is not allowing us to get unified by my to my real self that there is real self and here is the reflection somehow because of delusion i am thinking myself as the reflection the mind has to fall off the prism has to be removed for the spectrum to merge with the white light the spectrum is there prism is there and the white light is there then how long the spectrum will be there as long as the prism is there the prism has to be removed for the spectrum to merge in the white light and then i realize i was a white light i was thinking of this varied names and forms it's all projection so for that the mind has to go off so and that happens in samadhi when that your buddhi is no more vacillating it has got totally fixed to the object of meditation so much concentrated that your ego also falls off you become as if totally merged in the object of meditation and then only you have attained yoga the mind has not fallen off as long as there is a vacillation the mind is that's why yoga sutra starts with that nice sutra the second sutra is yogas chitta vritti nirodha chitta vritti we always translate it as the waves of the mind the vacillations of the mind but vritti doesn't mean vacillation chitta means mind and vritti mean we translate it as vacillation vritti means occupation why the vacillations the waves of the mind has been called the mind's occupation because as long as the waves are there the mind is there just the way my occupation sustains me 
if you are a doctor your being a doctor you sustain yourself being an engineer by your profession you sustain yourself being a teacher being a professor whatever may be your profession by that you sustain yourself the mind sustains itself by the profession called these vacillations the moment the desire is there the vacillations are there and the mind sustains itself when the desires are not there these vacillations are going to stop even in deep sleep it doesn't go in deep sleep what happens the vacillations are there but there is no content in it this yoga sutra is a very interesting scripture where this abhava pratyaya alambana vritti nidra that prithis are still there but it is abhava there is no pratyaya there is no content when i am seeing something i am seeing the mountain the waves are reflecting the mountain so the knowledge of the mountain dawns in so pratyaya is the mountain that's the reflection so we are never without the waves of mind it is always there it's only in that samadhi the waves stop and as we told it is a wave that sustains the mind that's why it's called vritti vritti means occupation the chitta also subdues and immediately the entire spectrum has merged with the core of your being there's the only reality and then the realization dawns yoga has happened yet you are get identified that there that actually there was no uh, separation because of ignorance the mind came into picture and it appeared as if i am separate from the self the mind falls off yoga i get merged with the absolute reality and then all the confusion is vanished because now whatever all the various isms and everything which is the product of and the delusion of the ignorance because i took the concept to be the reality it was just the conceptual knowledge which i was thinking to be the only knowledge so i've gone beyond the concepts i've realized it so there is no question of any more this getting deluded by the various opinions so now your intellection has intellect has become fully stable as, as in its conviction it is firm and steady in its conviction in the self so that's the idea which has been spoken of in the 53rd so the 52nd and the 53rd speaks of the real spiritual evolution it's not mere book learning it's that all the swami ji uh, following the uh, instructions of ramakrishna always used to say religion is realization so the 52nd and the 53rd shloka of the second chapter stresses that that religion is realization when i am fighting quarreling that gyana yoga is superior karma yoga is inferior it's only those who cannot forsake karma they go for karma yoga these are all products of agyana because the gyana yogi who brags that knowledge alone can takes realization what he is resorting to is not knowledge it's a mere concept it has not taken him to the realization and until it has taken him to the realization it is no knowledge it's a mere concept concept as we find that when swami vivekananda once came to ramakrishna and told that such and such faith is a blind faith immediately ramakrishna's response was wonderful he told can you say me which faith has eyes faith means blind however refined may be my argument and i may brag that my philosophy is something very refined it's after all based on concepts it's not realization so how uh, however refined it may be it has not taken you to the realization so that religion is realization and unless the realization has happened there cannot be any change in our life we may feel that i am established in the knowledge life is no more going to disturb me and when we find that the challenges of life uh, this life is there in front of me my knowledge is in no way helping me 
as swami vivekananda used to say that our condition is like a stag a stag a male deer seeing its musk the reflection of its muscular limbs in the water was bragging how strong i am he was bragging to the fawn the small deer young deer just see how strong i am and suddenly it heard the barking of a dog it even didn't see the dog just heard from from somewhere that that sound was coming and it started running frantically and after running for a long distance it was exhausted it was gasping and when the fawn also was following it now the fawn asked just now you were so confident about your strength what happened to your confidence and then the fawn says i don't know what happened to my con- what happens to my confidence the moment i hear the barking of a dog so that's why the same thing that all your convictions has gone you are no more steady in your conviction it makes you run it makes you frightened the fight and flight response again ensues obsessions again ensues unless you are established in your realization before that all this are going to vacillate you in the dualities of life so that's the only sign of spiritual evolution that have you gone to the realization and has that realization enabled you to transcend the dualities of life then only your form in your conviction they have gone beyond all the doubts and nothing can as such disturb you so you though you are living you are free that you are like a jivan mukta purusha you are a jivan mukta that though living there as a human being we as a human being are only capable no other creatures are capable to experience the joy that emanates from the state of jivan mukti freedom liberation while living though i am living nothing affects me all the dualities of life has fallen off for me jivan mukti sukha prapti hetave janmadharana the purpose of the human birth is to enjoy that state of existence here we find that the way this the our bhagavad gita the upanishads speaks of a state which is not post mortem not i don't have to go to heaven after death here eha eha here itself now and here i can enjoy that state just if we can through our proper orientation in our day to day life not by changing the course of our life let the life flow as it is change the orientation that will entail in chitta shuddhi ultimately it will take to the realization and then i can come back again from the realization come down to this life with a total overhaul perspective my action can still go on but now it has become spontaneous before the realization i was trying to be established in yoga i was aru ruksho these words are so wonderful in bhagavad gita in sixth chapter these words will come and then i become yoga rura i've been established in yoga my sadhana has now got converted into spontaneity previously i was willfully endeavoring to remain equanimous in all situation and when i come down from the samadhi that becomes the habitual state of my existence i don't have to endeavor for it don't have to try for it that equanimity has become my nature and that's why though i am doing action i am beyond action i am knowing very well i never do action it's the body mind uh, which is interacting with the world and it is going on with its action i am just the mere spectator so when the scripture speaks of this going beyond karma it doesn't mean to that you have stopped karma karma may go on but your attachment to it has fallen off so you even in the vortex of action in the tremendous action you can enjoy the peace of contemplation the contemplation in the world of action that's what yoga aims at karma yoga aims at so with this we stop our discussion today we will next section uh, the remaining portion of the bhagavad gita or the second chapter of the bhagavad gita will be just uh, elucidating the state of sthita pragya the one who has that here we found that the word sthashyati nischala 
his uh, he becomes firm in his conviction and his nothing can perplex him so what's that state that how such a, that one who has got established in that state how does he behave how does he move around in this world so that will be elucidated by bhagwan once it has been asked by arjuna bhagwan krishna will explain for the remaining chapter from the 55th to the last of the the second chapter the state of the sthita pragya will be explained so we will take up the this section again from the next class so thank you all namaskars